Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem, we'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are in a fascinating uh, part of Daniel. This is all um, prophecy for him. The angel Gabriel, we presume it was Gabriel, um, was telling him of things to come. It's his third vision that he had. And this angel is saying, you know, all this is going to happen. And Daniel was just thinking, well, it's time to go home. You know, uh, 70 years is up. Let's go home. He has this vision about all these other world powers that are going to come. And, um, you know, it's not so much about uh, Israel anymore. Is it shifting to, to more like world history? And it just kind of blows Daniel's mind a little bit, and the angel's telling him all these things that are going to come before he has to leave and get back in the battle. So we get this picture of the spiritual warfare going on. The angels are about. They had to fight their way to get to Daniel to tell him this information. But uh, it's amazing because it spells out so much of world history that has already been fulfilled. And uh, it also points to a time uh, of this prophecy that has not yet been fulfilled, this time of the Antichrist, because the conclusion of the vision, the conclusion of the story, obviously, for Daniel's perspective, is when does Israel get to be restored? I mean, this whole thing started when... um, the Babylonians came, come in, they finally overthrow Jerusalem and take everybody prisoner and take them over to Babylon. Daniel's been there 70 years. Daniel's having these visions of these kingdoms and he's telling them to Nebuchadnezzar. And he's, um, but now he's got his own vision and the angel's telling him, and of course, he's been studying Scripture. He's been studying Isaiah and Jeremiah. He's been trying to figure out, you know, when they go home and when God's going to restore Israel. But there's a lot more to come before God finally restores Israel. And so God has got to work out His plan for the rest of the world. He's got to save the rest of the world. And he had to work out his plan to save Israel, right? And what did he have to do to Israel? He had to bring Israel to its knees because of its own sin. 
And just like to save Israel now, God's got to figure out his will. He's, he knows his will, but he's got he's to put together a plan to work out his will of salvation for the rest of the world. Now, that's going to include Jesus Christ, but he's going to interweave all of this world history, all of these kingdoms coming together, and then Jesus Christ, and then um, he's going to have to work out his plan for all of the Gentiles. So it's an amazing um, outline, but we're going to have to jump right in, and I'll just kind of give note here. There's a lot of different references to different people and personalities and kingdoms, and uh, the only, you know, the best way I was able to follow it was in my study Bible. There was a chart of different, you know, uh, rulers uh, that I've just kind of looked at that helped kind of put all this together, but um, it does cover a lot of ground. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So uh, that's what we'll uh, jump into today. Uh, we'll start off with ch- in chapter 11, verse 15. And it says, The king of the north shall come up and throw siege works and take a well-fortified city. Now, this king of the north, this, this goes back against these two generals when Alexander the Great falls. You've got uh, Ptolemy. And then you've got uh, Seleucus, Nictor. Uh, Ptolemy takes over uh, the uh, Egypt area, and Seleucus takes over um, uh, the Syrian area, and also he was involved in the Greek areas. And so these two kings kind of end up battling with one another, you know, for world power and territory. And we just see how men think, you know, how kings think they all want more territory and they all rise and fall. And, you know, somebody's great for a while until somebody else comes along and knocks their block off, you know, and you've got a new king. So um, this king of the north was um, referred to as Antichius Third. Now, he's uh, one of the one of the, the the sons of Antichius the second, um, and we we said last time that Antichius the uh, second tried to make an alliance uh, with Ptolemy the uh, third. He was over in Egypt, and so um, Ptolemy the third over in Egypt ends up giving him his daughter Bernice. As a, uh, as a gift for marriage so that these two, uh, you know, kings could have an alliance. Of course, Antichius II was already married. He was going to divorce his wife, Laodice, but she ends up poisoning Antichius II. So this, um, this marriage doesn't really um, take hold. And so his son, Seleucus II, um, ends up having a couple of kids, and one of the kids was Antichius III. Um, 
and Antichius III is this king of the north. So the king of the north shall come up and throw siege works and take a well-fortified city, and the forces of the south shall not stand, uh, nor even his best troops, for there shall be no strength to stand. But he who comes against him shall do as he will, and none shall stand before him, and he shall stand in the glorious land. This is um, Israel. So this king of Syria is going to rise up, um, this um, Antichius third, king of the north, and he's going to do what he wills, and he's going to, again, take over the great land of, of Israel. He shall set his face and come with the strength of his whole kingdom, and shall bring terms of an agreement and perform them. He shall give the daughter of him the daughter of women to destroy the kingdom. So um, Antichius III ends up giving the daughter of women, this is Cleopatra, to Ptolemy V, Epiphanes. That's the general whom he was fighting against. And this is not the Cleopatra that ends up uh, the famous Cleopatra with you know Julius Caesar and Mark Anthony and all that. But this is another, Cle- this is like, um, an earlier Cleopatra. So he gives her um, to sort of, you know, convince this Ptolemy V to be loyal, but she ends up betraying her own father and ends up encouraging Ptolemy V to, you know, revolt against her father, um, Antichius III, the great king of the north. Okay, if you follow this, it's like, it's like a soap opera, okay? And afterwards, he shall turn his face to the coastlands. So in other words, uh, this king, uh, Antichius III, is going to turn his face towards the Greek islands, and he's going to try to consolidate power up there, and he shall capture many of them. But a commander shall put an end to his insolence. Indeed, he shall turn his insolence back upon him, and he shall turn his face back towards the fortresses of his own land, but he shall stumble and and fall and shall not be found. And this commander, who this is a, a reference to Rome. Rome is going to, you know, stop Antichius II. Okay? And then he is stumbles and falls and shan't be found. Verse 20, Then shall rise in his place one who shall send an extractor of tribute. This is Rome. Uh, Rome was very good at, at extracting taxes. Probably the greatest taxer up until this point. So this great extractor of taxes, the Roman Empire, that's who's going to come up next. They have a better navy, and they were able to counter Antichius II's forces. So um, for the glory of the kingdom. But uh, So back in verse 20, But within a few days he shall be broken, neither in anger nor in battle. In his place shall rise a contemptible person, Okay, so then what happens is this contemptible person rises, and this is the son of the king of the north, Antichius III. It is Antichius IV, and they call him Antichius IV Epiphanes. And that nickname, Epiphanes, um, I remember reading, it means God manifest. So in other words, he thought he was a god himself. He put himself above um, the gods of his fathers. Okay, so this contemptible person, he's described Antichius IV as just a contemptible person. And this person is, um, this, um, is the little horn 
that is described in uh, Daniel chapter 8, verse 9, and chapter 8, uh, 23. Antichius the fourth Epiphanes is a symbol of a future Antichrist-like person because he's contemptible, he's a liar, he's deceitful, and he just slaughters so many uh, uh, believers. And uh, so, because he's referred to as a little horn, but also the Antichrist in the end times is referred to as a little horn. So, it's, so McGee points out it's almost like a picture of what's to come. But the true Antichrist is going to be even worse. But uh, So here we get this picture of this contemptible person. He's like a Hitler-like figure in this point in time. He's just contemptible. He slaughters so many people. I think McGee said about 100,000 people. Um, at least that's what he, I remember McGee saying. But um, in any event, to whom royal majesty has not been given, he shall come in without warning and obtain the kingdom. By flatteries, armies shall be utterly swept away before him and broken. Even the prince of the covenant. Okay, so in other words, he's going to lift himself above um you know God himself in in Israel he's going to he's going to put himself inside the the holy temple and from the from the time of that alliance is made with him he shall act deceitfully in other words he breaks his own treaties with with different people and he shall become strong with small people. Verse 24, Without warning he shall come into the richest parts of the province, and he shall do what neither his fathers nor his father's fathers have done, scattering among them plunder, spoil, and goods. He shall devise plans against the strongholds, but only for a time. And he shall stir up his power and his heart against the king of the south with a great army. In other words, he's going to try to invade Egypt again. And the king of the south shall wage war with an exceedingly great and mighty army, but he shall not stand, for plots shall be devised against him. So he's going he's to outwit the king of Egypt. Verse 26, Even those who eat his food shall break him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. And as for the two kings, their hearts shall be bent on doing evil. They shall speak lies at the same table, but to no avail. And... For the end is yet to be at the time appointed. Okay, so even during points in time where this where this um, this Antichius the fourth, he's trying to make peace um, with some of these other kings, um, and I believe it was Ptolemy the sixth and Ptolemy the eighth. When he's at the the negotiating table, neither king was intended intending to even keep their word. This guy is such a deceitful king. Verse 29, at the time appointed he shall return and come into the south. So he's going to try to invade Egypt again at some point in time because his scheming probably didn't even didn't even work. So he but it shall not be this time as it was before. For ships of Kittim shall come against him, and he shall be afraid and withdraw and turn back and be enraged. So in other words, the ships of Kittim, these are Roman ships, okay? So the navy of, of Rome actually comes in now and stops uh, 
Antiochus IV from coming in and trying to invade Egypt. So Rome is trying to protect Egypt because probably Rome wants to protect, you know, more power. So he turns back and he's really mad. And then as we see in verse 30, and take action against the Holy Covenant. So he comes into Israel and just ransacks them. He shall turn back and pay attention to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering. So now he turns his hatred and meanness on God's temple. He can't invade Egypt. Boo-hoo. He gets turned back by the Romans. And now we see what he does. And they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. They call him an abomination that makes desolate around the people. This is um, a referral to all these people who are going to be murdered and slaughtered. Verse 32, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their gods shall stand firm and take action. Now this is a referral to the uh, Maccabean revolt. Now this this was a, um, a family in Israel who refused to obey all these orders and refused to start worshiping the pagan god uh, of Zeus. Because, you know, this um, Antichius IV, he had his uh, a lot of influences from the Greeks because that's where his empire extended all the way up to Greece. So this family of the Maccabean family led this revolt and they ended up throwing out all these other folks and reestablishing sort of a new territorial kingdom in uh, Israel that closely resembled the original um, boundaries of the original tribes established by Joshua in the first place. So this Maccabean revolt is a really um, important part of history for Israel, and it started with uh, Antichius IV, how mean he was and evil he was. Verse 33, And the wise among the people shall make many understand, though for some days they shall stumble by the sword and flame by captivity and plunder. In other words, they're fighting and a lot of them are dying. Um, But the people, as McGee says, who know God, um, even when times are the toughest, they stand up and stand out. And uh, that's what they did there. This group of people kept God's word alive because there's no official kingdom at this point. Israel's really not reestablished officially. This is just a revolt. You know, the nation Israel has not been reestablished. Even at this point, it's still a broken people. But there's a sliver, a remnant, who are still um, believing in God's word. Even with all these powers, all these different allegiances to all these different gods coming in, and it's just like, like I said before, it's almost like a, it's a, like a, a movie, a soap opera. It's a, you know, of what's going on around them. 
Verse 34, when they stumble, they shall receive a little help, and many shall join themselves to them with flattery. And some of the wise shall stumble, so that they may be refined, purified, and made white until the end of time, for it still awaits the appointed time. So some of these people, um, some of these wise are going to fall, but they're doing it because they're pure. They're going to be purified in their sacrificing themselves. And so they're going to be made white. They're going to be made pure because they held on to the truth in all this time. Until the time of the end. Okay, now this, now we're almost fast-forwarding a little bit because, as McGee says, now we leapfrog through a lot of world history until the appointed time of the end. Now, this is a reference from Antichius IV, how mean he was, as sort of a little horn reference in Daniel's earlier vision to the little horn reference Two that's coming at the end time of the world, okay? So this is putting one little horn from one vision juxtaposed to another little horn from another um, of Daniel's vision, okay? So the little horn of Antichius IV is referenced in chapter 8, verse 9, and chapter 8, verse 23. That's Antichius IV. And then another little horn of Daniel's vision is a little horn of the Antichrist that will eventually have to be destroyed by God himself. That little horn was referenced in Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. So both those little horns are now being referenced in this final um, rendition on world history, world prophecy by the angel Gabriel to Daniel. And I'm assuming it's the, McGee assumes it could be the angel Gabriel. So he's saying these, so uh, at the end of verse 35, these wise people, they're going to, they'll stumble, they'll get killed anyway because they're being refined, purified, and made white until the end time. Now, now we're going to the end time, the appointed time of when God reestablishes his kingdom by ultimately destroying the little horn meaning the Antichrist, who's also causing many people to suffer and die holding on to the truth until the appointed time. Okay? So it's a picture of how people are being destroyed from one little horn to people being destroyed till another little horn. Verse 36, And the king shall do as his will, as he wills, now we're into a reference of the second little horn, the, the Antichrist that ends up uh, requiring God to destroy. So, for all of you, I hope you're with me. I hope you've been able to follow all this. So now, <clears throat> we've looked at, at world history. There was prophecy to Daniel. Now we're looking at future world history, it's prophecy to Daniel and prophecy to us. <clears throat> we can look back on world history and say, oh, wow, all that prophecy has been fulfilled. And, um, but, but now we're looking ahead. 
Verse 36, and the king, now this is going to be a reference to this little horn, this antichrist, shall do as he will. So this is a reference to a future king. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god. Okay, so this guy is full of pride and full of vanity. And shall speak astonishing things against the God of gods. So he is opposed to God. He rebels against God. And this is um, <clears throat> a reference to what we see to the man of lawlessness in Second Thessalonians chapter 4, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And then in then, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, down to verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for all those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so to be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay? So, a reference to the, the lawless one, the Antichrist in Second Thessalonians. So, this is describing him in Daniel. Okay? He shall speak astonishing things against the God of gods, he shall prosper until the indignation is accomplished. In other words, until the appointed time. For what is decreed shall be done. Verse 37, he shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers or to the one beloved by women. He shall not pay attention to any other god, for he shall magnify himself above all. Verse 38, he shall honor the god of fortress instead of these. A God whom his fathers did not know, he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. Okay, so a reference to um, a reference to this um, antichrist-like figure, um, and um, it this uh, figure parallels. Uh, this little horn, this future little horn, parallels um, the little horn described by or describing Antichius Epiphanes IV. So, I hope this is uh, as fascinating to you as it is to me. If you're, I highly recommend you read this these scriptures in your Bible. It's it's um, it'll it'll give you just a really vivid picture of what's going on. Um, but it gives us also this picture that mankind is always trying something to get ahead or to consolidate power or to consolidate what it's all for peace and helping people. But covenants always get broken and there's no ruler that can establish peace on earth except Jesus Christ. And it just shows you world history is just a history of man's wickedness over and over and over. You know, it's all personalities and and trying to work out um trying to work out man's will 
But God's will has already been ordained, and we see that over and over and over in the Bible, the Bible says God's will is already sovereign, and history has already been written. And what is really happening is not man's will. It's, it's man fulfilling what God's will already is. And God uses rulers to His will, and He brings rulers down to do His will. God is sovereign over all of this. So from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And tomorrow we'll continue to take up our study as we look to finish the book of Daniel this week. It has been an amazing, amazing uh, journey through this book of intense prophecy. So now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing what you have to say today. God bless you all. We'll see you tomorrow. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Daniel chapter 11, beginning at verse 15, all the way to verse 36. So in yesterday's study, we saw a historic account of, you know, the shifting of power from one um, empire to the other so for, of shifting the shifting of power from the north to the south to the to the east and so on and so forth so now here um, it uh, in Daniel's vision he saw a little horn rise up from the north and in scripture um, every time a direction is given with the north south east west it always refers to you know north of the glorious land north of Palestine. That's what it means. So now we have the kingdom, the, the kingdom of the north here, north of Palestine is Syria, and the Seleucidae dynasty. That's the kingdom and the king of the north. So, um, so Lucius had been one of the generals of Alexander the Great, who took the section of the empire. You know, he took that particular um, section of the empire, and after the death of Alexander. Um, Ptolemy took Egypt and these two warred back and forth. So Egypt was south of um, Palestine and um, Syria was north um, of Palestine. So these two um, kingdoms warred against each other. So the south and the north. And, you know, they warred back and forth. So scripture reads from verse 15, that's where I'll read, and it says, So the king of the north shall come and build a siege mound and take a fortified city and the forces of the south shall not withstand him even his choice troops shall have no strength to resist verse 16 but he who comes against him shall do according to his own will and shall sorry shall do according to his own will and no one shall stand against him and he shall stand in the glorious land with destruction in his power so now here this is recorded and given uh, in the book of Daniel because it concerns the glorious land that's why it's actually mentioned here and the glorious land is Israel like I mentioned before um, so that's the Bible land or Palestine verse 17 goes on to read um, he shall also set his face to enter with the strength of his whole kingdom and upright ones with him thus shall he do and he shall give him the daughter of women to destroy 
but she shall not stand with him or be for him. So here, this brings us to 195 to 198 BC when Antiochus the Great, you know, he made a treaty with Egypt. So that's the Southern Kingdom. And he gave his daughter, Cleopatra, um, Cleopatra Tintolomi, Epiphanies in marriage. So, you know, um, a lot of people have wondered if Cleopatra was Egyptian, but she came from the lineage of the Seleucidae. So Cleopatra was not Egyptian. And um, verse 18 goes on to read, After this, he shall turn his face to the coastlands and shall take many, but a ruler shall bring the reproach against him, against them, to an end, and with the reproach removed, he shall turn back on him. Verse 19. Then he shall turn his face towards the fortress of his own land, but he shall stumble and fall and not be found. Verse 20 goes on to read, There shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom, but within a few days he shall be destroyed, but not in anger or in battle so here um the coastlands that are being talked about the isles mentioned here that's the island and these islands speak of um greece the nation greece and all the greek islands so that's the coastlands that are mentioned and this is where antiochus the great was beginning to actually move so now he was moving towards these greek islands and you know at this time so he was moving against Lysimachus in the west. So now Antiochus from the north was moving towards the west. So it says, you know, a prince for his own behalf. So this refers to another line. It refers to Rome. You know, if, if we see here in scripture, it says, um, um, I'll read um, from verse 18. After this, he shall turn his face to the coastlands, as the isles, and he shall take many, but a ruler shall bring reproach against him, and to the end, and with the reproach removed, he shall turn back to him. He shall turn his face towards the fortress of his own land. He shall stumble and fall and not be found, and they shall rise in his place. One who imposes taxes... To the, on the glorious kingdom but within a few days um, he shall be destroyed but uh, not in anger and in battle so you know um, here a prince for his own behalf shall arise it refers to um, you know the Rome which uh, was beginning to actually rise in the west and beginning to move towards the east um, so the Romans extracted taxes from the Syrians and the Romans were the best tax gatherers um, in their time and um, you know they were tax assessors and that was um, they were the, actually the best tax assessors that were there in the in the uh, uh, in, in that world as compared to the modern world today but you know they were the best tax assessors then so scripture goes on to read in verse 21 and in his place shall arise a vile person to whom they will not give the honor of royalty, but he shall come in peaceable and seize the kingdom by intrigue. So here now, this section introduces us to a vile person. And this person was Antiochus Epiphanes, 
who was king of Syria. So, um, and, and Antiochus Epiphany is actually identified in history. So this prophecy has already uh, been fulfilled. And, um, you know, this is, um, it looks at, you know, that little horn that actually rose, that was from chapter 8. And this section is concerned with only one king, that's Antiochus Epiphanes. And um, it gives a picture of the type of Antichrist to come. So Antiochus Epiphanes came to the throne in 175 BC. So he's called vile because of his blasphemies. So he came to the throne with, you know, a peace program. And this is how the Antichrist will actually come to power um, by introducing the Great Tribulation period, um, you know, with three and a half years of peace. So he's going to come peace, peace, and everybody will believe him that he comes in peace. And, um, you know, and the world will think, you know, they are entering into the millennial because, you know, he's preaching peace and there's going to be peace for three and a half years. And then, you know, all hell will break loose. But, um, you know, they are actually entering into the Great Tribulation period. So Antiochus was, um, you know, he was a deceiver. He was a, a liar and he was a deceiver. And, you know, we should be aware of this type of people today. You know, like we find this type of people in the churches who are like um, sheeps, but um, they pretend to be sheeps, but they are in wolves. They are, sorry, um, wolves in sheep's skin. You know, we have these people in the churches today who um who go by like you know in all pretense and all but you know in actual sense they're actually wolves they're actually um liars and they're traitors and they're betrayers so scripture goes on to read in verse 22 it says with the force of a flood they shall be swept away uh, from before him and be broken and also the prince of the covenant verse 23 and after the league is made with him he shall act deceitfully, for he shall come up and become strong with a small number of people. So, you know, this person was not actually like a popular, like known person. He's just like the underdog who no one actually like believes because he's not even coming from a royal lineage. So that was Antiochus Epiphanes. So verse 24 goes on to read, he shall enter peaceably even into the richest places of the province and he shall do what his fathers have not done nor his forefathers he shall disperse among them the plunder spoil and riches and he shall devise his plans against the strongholds but only for a time so this guy is going to come he's going to be so generous he's going to come and preach peace so you know the prince of the covenant was um here was um amas that's who they're talking about, almost the third, so the high priest. So he was disposed and murdered at this time by the deceitful devices of Antiochus. So he was a very deceitful man. And, you know, when he came to power, you know, everybody believed him because he came with, you know, he would sit by a round table and agree on one thing and, you know, turn around and just do something else uh, somewhere else. And, you know, this is a picture of what we have today a lot, like in politics, people go and sit, you know, they have all these like G8 summits, G7 summits. They sit in round tables and sign peace treaties that they just turn around, right around, right around and, 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 and don't follow um, up on whatever they signed on. So verse 25 goes on to read. He shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with uh, a very 
great and mighty army, but he shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. So this is what we see today. You know, people sit on round tables and make gentlemen agreements and they just don't follow them through. Verse 26 goes on to read, Yes, those who eat of the portion of his delicacies shall destroy him. His army shall be swept away and many shall fall down slain. Verse 27, Both these kings' hearts shall be bent on evil and they shall speak lies at the same table, but it shall not prosper for the end will still be at the appointed time so there's an appointed time until the end so only the lord jesus christ can come and end this great tribulation period verse 28 while returning to his land with great riches his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant and he shall do damage and return to his own land so now here okay so now here, um, these verses describe the campaign of the of Antiochus and his victory of the king um, of Egypt, which brought him a lot of riches and prestige. Um, that's what we have in these particular verses. So, um, you know, in verse twenty-seven, it actually shows that there is um, that he. You know, Antiochus Epiphanes was unreliable and a liar. And, you know, the conference table of the day, you know, like I talked about, is the same as the conference table of that day. You know, treaties are not followed through, but people, you know, these high-profile leaders that we actually pick, they sit around round tables and they discuss and talk and nothing is actually followed through. Right? So scripture goes on to read verse 29, um, says... At the appointed time, he shall return and go towards the south, but he shall not be like the former or the latter. For ships from Cyprus shall come against him, therefore he shall not, she shall be grieved and return in rage against the Holy Covenant and do damage, so he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant. So now here, um, you know, his um now here we have the, his second campaign against Egypt you know was not successful and this was due to the navy in Rome so you know now Rome is rising up uh, from the east yes and you know the ships uh, of Cyprus so he breaks his covenant with Israel because it's not reliable and some of uh, the nation uh, Israel betrayed their own people. So you also have among the people of Israel, they, d they betrayed their own people. They kept on making bad decision after bad decision at this particular time. And uh, verse 31 goes on to read, And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary, the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation so here he comes against jerusalem and that was in 170 bc at the at this time you know you have over a hundred thousand israelites were actually slain and he took away the daily sacrifices from the temple and he offered the blood and broth of a swine a pig upon the altar and set up an image of jupiter to be worshipped in the holy place and this was an abomination that makes uh, desolate but is not you know the abomination of the 
antichrist who's been prophesied to come because this prophecy already uh, was fulfilled of the little horn as you know the lord jesus christ had actually referred to it as being yet future and he is referring to the abomination of desolation of the antichrist um which is going to actually be set up so this is just like a picture of what is coming and it's like you know i don't know plenty times more than um what actually happened so verse 32 goes on to read those who do wickedly against the covenant he shall corrupt with flattery but the people who know their god shall be strong and carry out great exploits so now here you know they were a few of the nation israel who actually played uh the role uh, of judas but many uh new um God, you know, the, 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 the living and true God, and they were strong and they did uh, exploits. And in this period, God raised up the family of the Maccabees um, in this particular period. And, um, and that was in, um, that was in um, 166 BC. That's um, Mateus, uh, Matthias, sorry, the priest was raised um, and he raised a revolt against the, this blasphemy of these sacrifices that were actually removed. And, you know, these blasphemies he was carrying out in the holy place. And he was called a Maccabee. That's um, meaning, you know, that is the hammer. Verse 33 and uh, 34 goes on to read, And those of the people who understand shall instruct many, Yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. Now when, the fo when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. So here, this period lies between, you know, the testament, it's an intertestament period. It lies between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and there was so much suffering for the for the nation Israel, the people of the nation Israel, because, you know, they they were caught in between, you know, you know, from one empire to another, and many in this period um, served God faithfully and courageously. Verse 35 goes on to read, And some of those of understanding shall fall to reflect, um, shall fall to refine them purify them and make them white until the time of the end so here it says the time of the end because it is still for the appointed time so here it says the time of the end and you know it leaps forward in prophecy from Antiochus Epiphanes to the Antichrist so the Antichrist that is being talked about here in Daniel is a picture of the Antichrist to come um Verse 36 goes on to read, Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished. For what has been determined shall be done. So here, at this point, history ends and prophecy actually begins. So, um, you know, at this point, before verse 36, you know, we were looking at um, things that Daniel prophesied and have come to pass, and it's history, but now here history begins. It now talks about the future. So the text passes from, you know, a vile person to a vicious character of the Antichrist who is to come, moving over 
a bridge of um and you know an unmeasured time so Antiochus Epiphanes was an uh, at um atumbration of the antichrist as he does not um begin to actually measure up to the vicious antichrist who is yet to come so the antichrist will rise in um the geographical bonds of the Roman and the Grecian Empire. You know, um, Dr. J.P. McGee pointed out, it's believed, you know, um, there's going to be two types of leaders, a political one, a liar and all, and then there's going to be a, a religious one who's going to actually rise. So there's going to be these two beasts. And, you know, they will be a political and a religious antichrist. And um, the Gentile... Um, the, the and, and and these are going to arise from um the the gentiles um and, you know one will be from the gentile um the gentiles and the other one is going to be from the roman empire and you know he's got so many names in the bible he's called this antichrist is called the spoiler the man of sin the idol shepherd the little horn all these are names that are referred to as the antichrist and we can actually see this in the book of second thessalonians 2 verse 4 which actually reads um um who opposes and exalts himself above all is called god or that is worshipped so that he sits as god in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So the Antichrist is going to be like, you know, lifted up with pride and he thinks he is about God and he is God, actually. And we can actually find this description of the Antichrist in Revelation 13, verse 8, which reads, um, All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have been have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So um, he's going to be a deceiver. And, um, you know, if we look at um, the little horn, that's Antiochus Epiphanes. He's an atumbration of the Antichrist to come. But, you know, um, the Antichrist who is yet to come is going to be a vicious, vicious person. And it's going to be a horrible, horrible time um, then. So, yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. I hope you learned or picked out a few things. Um, it's It's... It's very, it's a lot to take in, and um, I'm I'm still taking it in. I'm, you know, reading it and taking it as it comes in strides. Uh, yeah, I hope you all enjoyed today's teaching. Thank you all for listening, and God bless and have a pleasant day. Bye bye.